Joseph Braghammer. The artist's playful narrative transports viewers into a world of vibrant colors, bizarre encounters, and hidden meetings, where hummingbirds become a whimsical symbol of the artist's unique perspective and the very essence of the Impressionist spirit. Runs through December 29th, and the Severa Gallery is at 2011 Baltimore Avenue, ACMO. For more information on these and many other events in our area, go to kkfi.org slash arts kc go. This is Maria Vasquez Boyd, and you're listening to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. everyone. It's time for Artspeak Radio on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. I'm Maria Vasquez-Boyd, and we have a great lineup of, of guests here in the studio. Today, we have Miller Bogart, Abel Massat. Uh, he's not joining us, but we're going to talk about his work. We have Dan White, Brent Schondelmeyer, Catherine Rybick, Hannah Grable, Shanarina Thatch, Dave Terrell, and uh, anyone else that I missed? Uh, Dan White, I believe I said that. But stick around. We'll be right back. Happy to have you on board with us, either uh, tuned in or listening online, kkfi.org, live stream radio. And, uh, you know, hello, Bruce. Hello, Tony Rose. Uh, my friends, Teresa. People, you know what? We even have people listening in Germany, so that's a pretty darn good thing. So we're happy to have our good friend, Miller Bogart, who's here. And we're going to talk about some work currently at Gallery Bogart at 1400 Union Avenue, Gallery Bogart. Dot com is the website because you want to f- kind of follow along as we're talking and uh, uh, you m- look at the work. So I want to say welcome to you, my friend. Hi, Maria. Thanks so much for having me on You've today. Been. I'm excited to talk about our current exhibit. Always a joy. Now, we missed the opening reception because that was last month, but we want to talk about Abel Nassat's work. Um, Del, Del Miro El Rapto? Uh, that's correct. Of the myth, the abduction is the yeah. English translation. Um, so we're very happy to have Abel back um, at the gallery uh, for his second full-scale exhibition. Um, you know, he's shown um, over Europe, um, in Mexico, and in uh, mostly in Florida and the United States. So mm-hmm. we're really pleased to be bringing his work back to the Midwest and to Kansas City. Um, something that's sort of thrilling to me is as the gallery continues to grow and take form is developing these long-standing relationships with artists. Mm-hmm. And that's something particularly that I'm uh, really excited about uh, working with Abel. 
I love that. And if you would just pull the microphone up to you, because I'm having to pot up a little bit. But I want to mention that he is an award-winning contemporary artist in, uh, who mainly explores the emotional bonds and existentialist questions of the modern human being. Uh, through expressionist portraits and scenes, the artist creates an intimate and introspective scenario that invites the viewer to reflect, to confront his inner self, to reveal his fragility and vulnerability, right? Uh, that's exactly correct, Maria. So Abel has traditionally and is still known for these sort of large abstract expressionist portraits where he'll um, you know, create overlapping faces and imagery and really invoke introspection in the viewer. This new series I'm showing um, of the myth, The Abduction, is a series of paintings that are inspired by Greek abduction myths. Um, and these same myths have been portrayed throughout mm. art history, you know, since they were depicted on Greek vases. And this is a subject that Abel really became interested in when he had a show in Europe in 2016. He took a trip uh, to Europe and particularly at the Louvre. Um, he was really inspired by some of the sculptures there, particularly the Three Graces uh, sculpture. I love that. I love that. You know, and, and I want to say with this newest series, it also indicates a marked shift for, uh, for the artist from his distinctive uh, techniques and, and exhibits a new elevated coalescence of this, his explorations from the last decade, right? Yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that. So I saw the first painting in this series a little over two years ago mm. now, and it was really striking to me because his abstract expressionist portraits use acrylic paint. But in this series, he really heavily blends the use of charcoal as well. So mm. he'll create just this beautiful layered painting with all these different brilliant moments of color and texture. And then over top, he works in charcoal to form the figures of the drawing. And he uses such strong and precise line in this new technique that the works have such like a movement and depth in them. I love that. And and I love the, the layering of the chalk and paint and all that, because I mean, it just really lends itself to a beautiful surface quality, doesn't it? It does, yes. I, I, I love getting up close and looking at paintings, oh and particularly these. Yeah. I just love going yeah. over the texture. And I want to share with our listeners that the exhibition dates are now through December 31st. So you have uh, a few a few weeks there. Uh, Gallery Bogart is located at 1400 Union Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri. That's after the railroad tracks right there in in the West Bottoms. It's it's really a wonderful, wonderful gallery. And I'm I'm really amazed in my good friend Elizabeth Kirsch, mm -hmm. uh, how how the quality of artists and work that you bring to the gallery, it's just phenomenal um, where you find these these artists. Now, Abel is from uh, Cuba. Uh, uh, yeah, Abel lives uh, and works in Abel. Havana, Cuba. Yeah. Uh -huh. Is he there currently? Or uh, is he, he is. Here? Uh, he's okay. there currently. Uh huh. You know, he could probably hear us if he's tuned in. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, it's just wonderful because you have a certain eye for these really talented uh, artists, and and the fact that you bring them here uh, through your gallery is is really a, a treat for us all. Talk to us about Gallery Bogart, a, a little bit of the beginnings and, and that sort of thing, and then we'll talk more about Abel. Yeah, I, I'd love to talk about that, yeah. Maria. So um, Gallery Bogart has a specific um, focus on contemporary Latin American art, and that really came about from my travels and forming and building relationships with artists, mm -hmm. and then wanting to bring them back to Kansas City in the Midwest. You know, 
I'm born and raised in Kansas City, and uh, I love this city, and I love the art scene here. I think mm -hmm. we have a real lot of really exciting things going on, and um, this I want it to be my contribution uh, to the art scene is bringing mm -hmm. in really great contemporary Latin American artists, but additionally, coming up later this year, um, we have some other incredibly talented artists that live in Kansas City that we'll be showing as well. Great, and, and we're grateful for that. Now, with with this work, Delmiro El Rapto, is, is, is there an opportunity to find out more in terms of where the, will the, will an artist talk be available? Or in, I know maybe through Zoom or, or something, is there something along with this exhibition that we can tune into? You know, that is something we're considering. We don't have it quite yeah. on the calendar yet, sure. but it, it would have to be facilitated through, you know, a Zoom meeting or a video yeah. uh, sort of webinar. There is something exciting about this exhibit that for the first time, the galleries published a hardback book documenting the exhibition. Um, you know, we've recently celebrated wow. our one year anniversary as a gallery, so we're really excited to be um, putting out this companion to the exhibit. So in that book, um, you can find more detailed writings from both myself and the artist on the work. Um, so that is a nice way to sort of delve more into the work. Additionally, something that really thrills me about this exhibit is how we have sort of the whole process on view at the gallery. Mm -hmm. So the artist spent considerable time in the literature researching these mythologies and um, was very dedicated to that process mm -hmm. because you know, these paintings having been depicted so many times throughout art, art history, yeah. Yeah. he didn't want to solely rely on those for references. You know, he wanted to create his own expressionistic um, portrait of these acts. So at the gallery, um, we have the drawn studies for every single painting we have on mm -hmm. show. So you can see those drawn studies. And I think it's really interesting to me to then, you know, look at those at, on the lower level of the gallery and then go upstairs and look at the paintings and see sort of how the paintings developed or changed or, you know, came to be. Because often, you know, I think you only see the finished product sometimes and not, you know, all of the work and time yeah. and energy and study. And I think we're bringing a little bit of that to the exhibit. I think that's really important, I think, for the audience to, to recognize is that, you know, there's this foundation, there's, you know, you, you have an idea, you have this inspiration, and then you kind of take that from there and maybe doodle around on paper or, or whatever it is. And then, you know, it's not as though that the paintings just kind of appear uh, out of nowhere. Um, you know, there's a lot of research that, that some artists take, uh, drawings and sketchbooks and conversations. And um, it's just wonderful to, to have that present, uh, to see the, the layers. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think oftentimes, to me personally, the, the studies or the drawings or the sketches have just as much artistic value as the Absolutely. end product. Yeah. You know, um, there's a, a documentary, I think it's called Herb and Dorothy, about a couple um, who live in New York City that collect minimalist art. And um, they did so, I think, in the 50s or 60s. And, you know, the husband was a, a post office worker and the woman was a teacher. And they went out and they would collect works such as that or more major works. But, you know, the, the smallest work and the biggest yeah. work, the drawing or the painting, they mm -hmm. all have such value that they can bring to your life. Yeah, I, I like that. And, and, and to that point, you know, I, I want to share whether I said in, in the green room that I attended the end of the semester um, arts art uh, show at the Art Institute this past weekend. And it always thrills me to go into the studios and just look at what this 
student is looking at, look at what this artist is looking at, reading, um, you know, the, the, their, their palette, you know, the brushes. It tells a story of, of their journey and just like these sketches. It, it really does. And I actually attended the same event last yeah. weekend, too. And I would encourage yeah. any listeners to, yeah. to be on the lookout for the next end of semester event because it's such a treat to oh be in their God, studios, yeah. Yeah. see all the work. And it, it's such a massive, immersive, you know, every building is open almost. Yeah. And um, yeah. it's something I really enjoy going to as well. Well, and, and oftentimes you can speak with the artists if, if they're around. But, uh, you know, it's just it's there's a lot of energy in that. You know, I want to go back to the book that you mentioned or the catalog. How do we get our hands on this catalog? Now, we can't give out prizes, but if you want to share information about. Oh, yes, I'd love that. So um, first off, um, I'd say to learn more about our upcoming exhibitions that I'm very excited yeah. about or to find out about the book we've released um, to go to our website, gallerybogart.com. And at the bottom of the page, sign up for our email list. And that's the best way to get information about the book or upcoming exhibits. And does Abel have a website that you want to share with us or a social media platforms that we can find out more about? Yes, that'd be great. I would encourage um, everyone, if you're interested in Abel's work, to follow the gallery Instagram as well, Gallery Bogart, or um, follow Abel's Instagram, which is at Masat Studio. You know, the the work that I've seen of his, it is very expressionistic. And, you know, I, I when you talk about the large format of these paintings, how large are we looking at? So this current exhibit, the, the largest paintings are six foot by six foot squares, and that's four of them. Um, oh, my, yeah, that's a, lovely. Yeah, a couple of my favorites are the abduction of Europa uh -huh. and the abduction of the Sabine women. They're just... I mean, they're just incredible. I would encourage mm -hmm. you to come view yeah. them in person, or um, I'll be eventually posting all the paintings on our Instagram, so you can go mm -hmm. follow there to see them all. But, um, and the other paintings are, you know, significant size as well. So um, really, really a treat. So I'd encourage you to come by. Um, we're open mm -hmm. on Saturdays from noon to 4 p.m. Um, and just come sit with the work and take them in. Well, I love that his intent, as I mentioned earlier, that uh, through his depictions, he continues to invoke introspection of the human experience and examines themes inherent in humanity through vis revisiting classic and Greek abduction myths. And and I think that's that's really interesting uh, for for a lot of artists that do rely on myths and stories and folk tales and that sort of thing as as a source of inspiration for work of creating work and maybe kind of um, in response to what they've read or know about. Yeah, I, I completely agree, myths. Maria. Yeah, yeah it, what I, I love about these paintings is um, how dynamic they are yeah. um, and the facial expressions on the figures and you know just how much movement they have and, and chaos and energy and but you know these paintings compared to his um, you know previous portraits he's done mm -hmm. they still have that same emotional capacity yeah. where you yeah. can really you know interact with the painting and sort of vibrate with it. I, I think the work is really charged I mean there's there's some sort of electricity there's some sort of energy and that that's contained in these works exactly maria and that's yeah. what uh first drew me to his yeah. work and yeah. in the very first place is yeah. you know you you look at one of his works and and you feel something and that's what mm -hmm. um, art should be it should invoke something Absolutely. in you and that's uh 
why I continue to be very happy we've been able to bring his work to Kansas City. You know, if you just tuned in, you're listening to Art Speak Radio on 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. I'm talking with Miller Bogart, who is the curator, director of uh, Gallery Bogart, which is located in West Bottoms at 1400 Union Avenue. you got to go across those railroad tracks. Um, and that's uh, in Kansas City, Missouri. Gallerybogart.com is the website. You know, uh, we're talking about um, Abel Massat's uh, work, but what's coming up for 2024? Because this will end uh, in December, the end of December, right? That's correct. So, mm-hmm. so at the gallery, we put on exhibitions about every two months. Mm-hmm. So our next exhibit will be in February um, with an incredibly talented painter who I'm excited to show. Um, I'd say to be the first to find out about that, uh, go to our website and... Uh, Come on, tell us yeah. now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know. You can I, tell I mean, me later. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you later. But um, but for your listeners, we're, we're really excited to announce it. And um, we hope uh, you'll join us at that next exhibit as well. Now, he just wrote the name down and slipped it over to me. And you're going to be really excited. Okay. No. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. So, Mike, I can't say to, to our listeners. You know... Um, if you were to sh- uh, share social media platforms that we can find the gallery at, we'd be happy to share that with the listeners. Oh, yes, that'd be wonderful. Mm-hmm. So um, on Instagram, uh, just uh, you can search Gallery Bogart and the same on Facebook. So um, that's another great way to stay in yeah. tune with what's going on with the gallery. You know, and I do want to uh, assure folks who have um, some mobility issues that there is a freight elevator. You know, don't don't let a uh, daunting staircase uh, be a challenge for you, you know, maybe contact. Yes, contact I, I completely agree. Yeah. So um, yeah. our gallery is on the second and third floor of one of our lovely historic West Bombs buildings. We really love the space. It's, it's fun and funky and a great place to show yeah. good art. But but there is a, a fairly steep staircase um, to get to the second level. So if you do want to visit and have some mobility issues, um, send me an email um, that's on the website or contact me through any of our other channels and and we'll arrange a time uh, to bring you to the space. I don't know how many times I've schlepped that Elizabeth Kirsch up and down those stairs on my back, on my back. <laughs> uh, not true, but, you know, we, we love the space once we're there because you, you just don't you don't feel that you're in Kansas City. You, it, it, the way you have everything set up and arranged, you feel like you're in New York or just a whole other, you know, beautiful place. And yet it, it is Gallery Bogart. Yeah, yeah, I really love where we're at, and, yeah. um, except for those stairs. You're right. That's yeah. how I get well, a good workout know, in every day. But, um, yeah, I love the space. I love the West Bottoms. There's so many exciting things happening there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so many of the artist studios are there. Uh, it's quite the happening place to be, so, so it, we're glad to be really there. It really is. You know, and, and I, I know that uh, especially when the weather is warmer and the first, is it first or third uh Fridays. Uh, the first. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. It really can get um, pretty hectic down there, but it's still worth the trip. Uh, Miller Brogart, thank you so much for joining us. Anything, any last words that we want to mention that we haven't? No, uh, thank said? you so much for having me on again. And, and like oh I gosh. said, for your listeners to find out more about the gallery, visit yeah. gallerybrogart.com and sign up for our mailing list. Abel Massat's newest series, Delamito El Rapto of the myth, the abduction. Uh, gotta see that. It's at uh, Gallery Bogart, 1400 Union Avenue. Thank you so much, my friend, right, for thank joining you. us. And we're going to be right back with Artspeak Radio after this. 
Tune in on the first Thursday of every month at 7 p.m. for Next Step Forward, a program highlighting millennials in the KC Metro that are using their talents, businesses, and activism to educate and uplift their communities. Join us for fresh insights, candid conversations, and interviews that will make you think. If you want to learn, laugh, and be empowered, this is the show for you. Join me, Jasmine Jones, every first Thursday of the month at 7 p.m. right here on KKFI. Give the gift they will talk about for years to come, a KKFI guest DJ certificate, a one-time donation of $200 or a monthly sustaining donation of $16.67 will get your loved one an hour to share their musical taste on the local music program of their choice. A board operator will be provided. They will even get a recording of their DJ experience. Go to kkfi.org and click on the donation button or call 816-931-3122 for more information. Hey, this is Art Speak Radio. I'm Maria Vasquez Boyd on 90.1 FM, KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. Thanks so much for joining us today. You know, we've got just a wonderful energy here in the studio because it's just filled. It's packed with creative people who are talking about art and photography and uh, students that are here from the Art Institute. But up next, we're going to talk with Dan White and Brent Schondelmeyer. Uh, They have currently uh, an inaugural art exhibit at the Inglewood Art Center. And this is really exciting because, uh, yeah, this is, like I said, inaugural. So welcome, my friend Dan White and Brent Schondelmeyer. Thanks for joining us today. Great to be with you. Nice to be here. Thank you. Wow. So the Inglewood Art Center announces an inaugural art exhibit with a significant photography show about independence. Uh, the photography ex- exhibition is called Click. Two Decades, One Community. Um, It includes 42 photographs taken by a Pulitzer Prize-winning photographer, Dan White, and texts by local writer Brent Schondelmeyer. Wow, that's that's a lot of work, 42 photographs and text. That's a lot of years. Yeah, yeah. So where does one begin with with the whole concept of, of Two Decades, One Community? It had its origins. We paused because you want to say, well, how do you share this? Uh, Dan and I did a photography book back in 1985, and it was at the request of a woman named Barbara Potts, who was then mayor of Independence at that point. And she was anxious to share a a photo display of her community uh, that she could share with the community, that she could share with people that came in. So this was a book that we published. And back then, uh, books were published. There was a publishing house called Lowell Press. It's actually where KCPT you know, studios are, and so people would produce local photography books. And so that was there. I always really sort of loved this book. Dan and I worked on that project back together. Um, I grew up in Independence, I still live there, and you just sort of learn the story of the community. And it's several different stories. It mm. has a really unusual, significant, wide-ranging sort of history, but communities change over time. So I was always interested in the idea about going back and seeing these photographs in a new way. Um, you know, the, uh, the book is eight and a half by 11 and with digital printing, and Dan can talk about this, you can create larger sort of formats. You can mm-hmm. see things and photographs that you hadn't. So I kept pitching Dan with the idea. I wanted to see these photographs uh, represented uh, in, a, in a new sort of way. And Dan was open to that idea, but then Dan had a different thought about something that he wanted to do. And I think I'll let Dan explain that. Yeah, and, and I just wanna say that for, for a lot of people, when you, when you mention Independence, Missouri, there are certain things that that come up certain figures that come up 
Harry yes. Truman. Yes. And that. And so, the, it, does this give us a, a more rounded view of independence, a, a broader view? Uh, I think it does. Yeah. Uh, when we originally did the book in 1985, I was a young photojournalist and decided that we would do this book in that style, sort of a National Geographic mm, style mm-hmm, look. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. And we shot it all in color. We did a variety of things throughout the community. And uh, Brett Brent did the text and and the captions, and that's how we ended up with that. So when he approached me about three or four years ago, he said, "Let's why don't we resurrect some of these images? Let's make them bigger. Uh, digital printing is something that I'm good at and have have honed over the years because yeah. I always have thought as a photographer that the final print is really paramount. Yeah. To to what I do anyway. So I, I managed to find the film, all the originals, and I scanned them myself, printed them, worked them up. But then I thought, well, let's take it a little bit further. Let's look at independence now. And over the last 35 years, I've done a lot of different series portraits. And I thought, well, let's do a series of portraits of independence people now showing the demographic changes, the new technology, and I decided from a creative standpoint, we would do them in black and white, which is my preferred method and mode for most portraiture Mm -hmm. in photography. So that's what we did. Brent being uh, a person of the community for the last 70 years, he (laughs) really has his finger on the pulse uh, of that place, and so, he took the lead as far as finding the people and together we talked to them and we had them come in to sit for a portrait actually in the Inglewood Arts Building. We set up a makeshift uh, studio. They had a very large north light and that's something that I wanted to explore more in my photography was using north light as the principal lighting in these portraits. So that's what we did. You know, a couple of things that you said, first of all, was that film, that you scanned the film. And at that time, and and I guess maybe in the 80s, that, uh, you know, we didn't have the technology that we do now. It definitely makes a job easier as a photographer to work not in film, but with digital, uh, you know, equipment and that sort of thing. So was that a challenge for you to maybe sort of keep that quality of, of the film or were you able to enhance it uh, based on the, the current technology or, or that? Uh, I would say yes to both of yeah. those questions. Yeah. Uh, you can enhance some of the, of the film mm-hmm. because you have the opportunity in Photoshop to make things a little lighter and darker. Sure, sure. Back in 85, I, I shot all <laughs> transparency film which is pretty unforgiving as far yeah. as exposure and yeah. so on. Uh, so it's it's a challenge. It definitely is a challenge, but it also makes it a little easier because you can do some of that It kind of takes the sweat work out of it. You know, as you mentioned that, that you had portraits uh, of people taken in at the Inglewood Arts Center itself, you know, and, and you're talking about the work and all that, it almost begins to feel a very uh, like, like an anthropology 
anthropologist's approach in terms of then and now and people and here's here's the changes that that have taken place and here's the shift that sort of occurred in independence do you feel that's I don't know kind of uh, accurate in terms of what what your work is based on yeah I, I think that's I think that's accurate yeah. one of our goals really with the with the portraits that we shot last winter was to really make it representative yeah. as, as much as possible demographically yeah. uh, of the people in independence, which had changed a fair amount since 1985. Yeah. And Brent came up with a great idea and he's Im- implement, implementing it where somebody in the future, 10, 20, 30 years, is going to do another look. Yeah photographic look at independence and i'll let him tell you a little yeah, bit yeah I, I love that i love that so our project is called click two decades mm-hmm. and so the idea that somebody suggested well it might be nice to do a third decade and a fourth decade right. and the like right. and i don't i just have a point of view is that people don't see a community clearly and that they yeah. see a community that might be have some familiarity to you your observation really about anthropology is really very, very astute. So uh, you can look at it and say, well, it's a photo exhibit. And I'm going to say it's it's a way to understand a community. And you can mm-hmm. go in and you can look and, you know, what's your favorite photograph? Why is it interesting to you? What does it say to you? Uh, what did you learn about uh, looking at it? So it's a little, I mean, we were slow to get there. But it's a really kind of a powerful sort of juxtaposition. Some people, when we talked about this project, were, well, you should, you should go do the then and now. In some senses, that seemed really kind of trite because, you know, mm. the Truman home should look the same way now as it did yeah. then. Uh, and, and honestly, a lot of the people whose photographs we had taken, they've passed and they've gone mm. on. And so if you get stuck in a community of uh, 1985, then you're really sort of missing the dynamic nature of any community. And we talk about community. Independence is really a city of 125,000, and so there's several different communities. And so trying to to see that and trying to show that. So uh, it's, it's a powerful, I mean, even from somebody that's in the community, going back and looking at it in a thoughtful sort of way, I learned some things or I relearned, or I learned some things entirely new to me that mm-hmm. I that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Particularly the the power of sitting down and talking with people. On the backside of this, I sat down and had thirty to forty five minute interviews uh, wow. with people. So we just don't do that anymore. We're yeah. texting, yeah. we're emailing, we're yeah. we're uh, kind of cursory sort of conversations. We're and not so, listening. So if you sort of say, uh, "Well, tell me about your." Tell me about your life. Tell me where you grew up. Yeah. Even people who are very, very quite familiar to me, just pausing in. And it's a way to allow people to tell their story. And and honestly, um, I feel good about the exhibit because people have gone and seen it. The parts of the community feel like they've been seen in a way that they haven't mm-hmm. been seen before. You know, and, and I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I love the photographs that I've seen posted of people with their portraits. I mean, there's a sense yeah. of pride. And this is where I belong. This is my community. This is who I am. Yeah. And, and being heard, I think, has been a real powerful uh, connection, you know, to, to not only this uh, exhibition, but to the community to the people there. You know, if you just tuned in, I'm talking with Dan White and Brent Schondelmeyer. We're talking about the Inglewood Arts Center uh, exhibition photography exhibit, Click Two Decades, One Community. That's currently um, at the Inglewood Arts Center. That's at 10901 
East Winter Road. That's Independence, Missouri. And that's up through March of 2024, right? So there's yeah. plenty of time to, to see that. And I would encourage folks to visit inglewoodarts.art for more information because you want to make sure that, uh, that you know, of the hours and the location, get your address, all that. Um, and information, uh, because this is uh, not to be missed. I, it's important for me to say, so Dan and I were talking this about two or three years ago, mm-hmm. so you can have an idea, but then you know, say, well, where will we show this? <laughs> Yeah, you, you yeah, know, and I yeah. think this is a real challenge for people yeah. who are creating things. How do you have uh, uh, provide public access to really sort of art? So the emergence of Inglewood Arts. Uh, this is a former medical building uh, yeah. in Independence, Missouri. has thirty thousand square feet. has a variety of artists that are working in there, and it has adaptable open floor plate. And so. Um, it was a beauty to be able to see that, well, we can arrange an exhibit, we can show an exhibit, it can accommodate a number of photographs, because if you want to show two decades, one community, yeah. uh, you can't do that in eight, you can't show, do that in eight photographs, you really need enough photographs that you can show the variety and the breadth and the compare and contrast aspects. And I want to say that Inglewood Arts Center could have its own book of then and now because, you know, yes. through through the efforts of uh, some wonderful team members, Michael Baxley, Teresa Dorsch, uh, Steve and... and Israeli? Uh, yes. Steve uh, and yeah, as, yeah. Steve and Joan. Yeah. I mean, a, a number of people, Terry Snap. There's just been a number of people that have come together and created this beautiful art center where none exists before. And so there's even photographs of what the building looked yes. in its state of disrepair. But, you know, importantly, that that this exhibition was the very first, your photography was and, and text was the very first to be featured here at the art center, which is just a wonderful uh, crown to, to this art center right well it seemed to be a nice fit if yeah, you if you were uh, if you were trying to um it's inglewood it's a part of the community that yeah. a lot of people really don't sort of know about uh and so to the degree that it's engaging that community not only inglewood but the larger community in the region yeah. it seemed an appropriate topic and the staff there were very sort of accommodating you know very uh, good. yeah you display art and so when if they don't know you and they've not seen your work and you know so they gave us the uh, accommodation and the support and understanding yeah. uh, for the project um, and the fact that the art was created in Inglewood uh, Art Center in some senses gave the story a, a little sort of twist so they talk about Inglewood where yeah. where art lives and so in some senses this project is emblematic of that I love that very, uh, very much so yeah they and they were great and you know, they took our suggestions as we're walking through putting the show up. Mm-hmm. They realized we were serious uh, artists as to what we were doing and knew what we were doing. And we would show them the occasional photo we had done, a print, and, and that got them excited. And and then when we were hanging it, it was really exciting. So yeah, I love that. I Beautifully love that. lit. And that's yeah. really important. To Very ph- important. To photography. Very important. Is there anything that we haven't mentioned that you want to mention now? Social media platforms or websites and that? Inglewoodarts.org. And there's dot art. Dot art. Excuse me. Yes. And, and they're located at 10901 East Winter Road. Shout out, Michael, Teresa. Yes, everyone that, that's with Inglewood Arts. We, we love you all. And we have through March of 2024 to see the work yes very good. right will you come back of course sure okay
All right. Very good. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, we're going to be right back with Artspeak Radio after this. Hi, I'm Russ Simmons. And I'm Susan Sanders. And this is Take Two, two takes at a movie currently playing in theaters or streaming. The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar is now on Netflix, and it's a treat for fans of Wes Anderson's filmmaking. This short film, 39 Minutes, is based on a short story by Roald Dahl from the 1970s. It's about a rich and useless man who learns through his quest to acquire more money that money isn't what it's cracked up to be. His gains are ill-gotten because he learns to cheat at gambling by employing a guru's tricks to see through thin objects, like cards. What's interesting about the film, however, is Wes Anderson's style of filmmaking rather than the story itself. You know, Susan, this is actually one of four short stories by Dahl that Anderson has adapted into short films for Netflix. The other three are The Swan, The Ratcatcher, and Poison. The characters are richly eccentric and played by Rafe Fiennes, Benedict Cumberbatch, Dev Patel, and Ben Kingsley. The through character is Fiennes, who plays Roald Dahl. He's an eccentric artist, much like Anderson himself. Anderson is the king of quirky, so he and Dahl are a pretty good match. These actors tell the story in a rapidly paced script, sometimes turning to the moviegoer with intimate eye contact to make a point. The sets are detailed fantasies, doors opening, or garden walks appearing as in a children's storybook. The entire film experience is a peculiar, slightly comical world created by Anderson. He employs his patented visual gimmickry, so fans should enjoy these films' peculiar charms. I'm Russ Simmons. And I'm Susan Sanders. And this is Take Two. This week on the Heartland Labor Forum, we'll talk about organizing and labor's future with New Yorker writer Eleni Shermer, who thinks labor guru Jane McAlevey has transformed the labor movement. And then, with former ILWU organizing director Pete Olney, who in April with Rand Wilson wrote a prophetic piece, Can Labor Seize the Movement Moment? Tune in Thursday at 6 p.m. or Friday at 5 a.m. to find out if the stars are aligned for a resurgence of labor in the working class. KKFI is now posting new content every day to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So be sure to like and follow your community radio station on social media at KKFI901FM. And thanks for lending us your ears since 1988. Hey, this is Art Speak Radio. I'm Maria Vasquez Boyd on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio got a group of art students here from the Kansas City Illustration uh, Department at the Art Institute. We have Shinarina yes. Thatch. We have uh, David Torrell. Hello, David. <laughs> we also have, uh, let's see, we'll do Hannah Grable yep. and Catherine Rebick. Oh, good, 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 good. We are going to talk about um, the 2023 KCAI Illustration Harvest event, uh, the Harvest Mystiques. Students will be showing the work and will have all sorts of things for sale, including prints, original artwork, stickers, T-shirts, tote bags, buttons, and more. So if you're looking for a unique gift, a stocking stuffer, or simply want to support students, uh, we'd love for you to stop by uh, Yeah, this is going to take place on Saturday, December 9th 
from noon to 5 at the Kansas City Art Institute in Epperson Auditorium, 4415 Warwick Boulevard. David, was this your idea? <laughs> Hi. Um, this is a class we've – actually, this, this came back uh, came about about oh ten years ago. 2013 was our first event, mm -hmm. and we started this out as a networking event for our students to meet community creatives and folks looking for interns or, or, or jobs or things of that nature. And then over the years, it's kind of evolved, and we've uh, turned it into an. Uh, the event itself has been planned within a class setting, and so the students take this on and they drive everything and so we have three of our uh, community our committee leaders here that have kind of taken on this event through through the classroom space and designed it and it's grown over the years and so I'm really excited for them to talk about it this year yeah and and we want to give a shout out to John Ferry because he was the one that said tapped on my door Maria Maria um, John and I went to school there at the Art Institute years ago but you know it, I, I love that this is thriving that the students the illustrators illustration students have this opportunity to really kind of highlight showcase their work uh, isn't that right Catherine <laughs> she's like wait wait I'm texting <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah it's kind of been a really fun event to plan yeah. and get everything ready and get the experience of planning an entire event too um, I know I've had a lot of fun um, it's been a lot of work, too, that we've yeah. put in behind the scenes, a lot of things that we have to design and get ready, and the advertisements and, you know, exploring around and seeing what we can make for it and how much time we have and what we can throw in there and all the fun stuff we can make for the event and just putting in all the work for it, too, has yeah. been nice and seeing it all put together and finally ready to, to show it off on Saturday has been it's, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. And it also gives you an opportunity to talk to people or, uh, or guests can come and talk to you and maybe pick your brain. Or, or is it possible that, that there, this is a network uh, opportunity for, you to, for them to say, you know, I'm looking for a new design for whatever it is, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's great about this event is it's evolved over the years. Yeah. And um, it's become kind of like an art market or a networking event. Um, everyone's been able to make like business cards and it's been great to have like contact information um, to do any sort of work that maybe they want. Um, and to, to look around, you, you really do get a variety, not just of prints, but a lot mm -hmm. of our students also do mm -hmm. physical stuff like yeah. ceramics, fibers. So it's not just flat, right. you do get a lot of three dimensional as well. I love that because in illustration, you know, uh, the, the thought is that it's just something that's flat and it's fairly small in size because of illustration is, was typically that, that way, but it's really changed, hasn't it, Shinarina? Yes, definitely. I think a lot of students, at least in our grade, they like to go more the traditional route. Yeah. For me personally, I'm a paper cut artist, so that's really fantastic. Oh, yeah. A lot of my friends are like Catherine here. She's a printmaker, essentially, and I have other friends who are ceramics as well. <laughs> So how did you end up as a printmaker and, and uh, someone who works with paper and all that? How did you end up in illustration? What was the draw for you at, at the school? Um, Certainly couldn't be that staff. <laughs> no, I'm just playing with you, David. I know for me personally, I like how broad illustration really yeah. just is. Yeah. So I'm able to do anything. I'm not limited to one thing like if I were to go to painting or ceramics, you know. Yeah. So I like how broad and the professors are great and they allow us to do whatever we want. And that's always nice. 
And Hannah, did you want to add to that? Yeah, especially once you get to your senior year, uh, like yeah. we all are, you really are let loose. You're really cut loose um, for your senior thesis. Like I'm able to do sublimation printing on fabric, um, mm -hmm. which is mixing digital and traditional media. And it's able to build your portfolio to what you want to do after graduation. Um, yeah. Do you feel that, that this opportunity, this Harvest Mystiques, uh, this event, does it also offer you kind of a, a, a slice of what the real world is in terms of clients and preparation and, you know, having all those sort of business models in place? Yeah, definitely. Um, I know I do a lot of art markets personally because I do a lot of printmaking and stuff. Mm -hmm. So this is, it's a lot of fun seeing the behind the scenes of what goes into planning something mm -hmm. like that and actually being able to go and be there too it's, it's really fun as well to just see like the behind the scenes of how much work goes into it and it's like oh my gosh wait I could now outside of school plan my own if mm -hmm. I really want to mm -hmm. and you know build a community of artists as well like yeah. even come back to like hey all of you illustration seniors who just graduated I'm making an art market or something and come back to it and be like I planned this new one because I had fun planning the harvest and it's yeah it's been really fun. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting to note that uh, I know uh, as this has been many years ago that some of the professors that I talked with at the Art Institute in illustration had said, now these students that were that are coming out of this department, now they're somewhat competitors in terms of, you know, the, the work and, you know, kind of, uh, I, I don't know, um, sort of in advertising or media or, or whatever that now that they're dealing with uh, this other group of students that have come into this field do you see that as a, a challenge with with the work and in, in others in your department I don't are you one big happy family I would say <laughs> I don't think we're really competitive at least in our year we are the biggest department that yeah. the illustration has seen wow. in a long time um, and so because of that, I feel like our grade has really um, come together uh, because every year it's new for everyone. So we've kind of bonded together and I don't see us being competitive. We definitely mm -hmm. encourage everyone, yeah. especially with an event like this and how we've been running it um, and planning it so quickly. We've definitely bonded together to make this event. I like hearing that because, you know, so, uh, some places are, are pretty cutthroat. But I want to ask David uh, a question. Now, did you attend the Art Institute yourself, David? I did not. I'm uh, okay. originally from Ohio. Okay. Did you attend an art school? Uh, I attended to uh, Miami yeah. of Ohio, so an art department yeah. within a within a state school. So um, I find that I really enjoy the uh, the art school experience. And, I'm, and, and so anyway, yeah. So based on your experience as a, a student in art, um, do you think that sort of enlighten you to what the needs of these students are of of your current and past uh, and future students i mean do you know what students need now in their careers as artists or as illustrators in that yeah i think our staff in general um we all come from from uh, the working world um, yeah. i've been teaching for yeah. full-time for 12 years but previously to that i've worked in agencies as a freelance mm -hmm. illustrator in numerous locations uh and we all, all of the, the faculty across the Kansas City Art Institute, and, and you know, and then I can speak mm -hmm. to the illustration department, we all have our kind of expertise. And so we, we know the fields we teach in, right? And but we also know that it's ever-changing as well. So yeah. we, yeah. 
I think yesterday, or was it Monday, we just had a conversation with these, I had a conversation with uh, our three students here, like what, what do you see the future of our thesis class looking like? What do you see having them experienced it for themselves? Mm-hmm. We think we know what we want, but we wanna make yeah. sure we really listen to our students and, and try to adjust on the fly. I love that. That's really important. If you just tuned in, I'm talking to Kansas City Art Institute Illustration students. We have Shinarina Thatch, we have Catherine Rybick, and Hannah Grable, and of course, our beloved Dave Terrell. And we're talking about the Harvest event, the Harvest Mystiques, where students will be showing the work and have all sorts of things for sale, prints, original artwork, uh, stickers, t-shirts, you name it, that's going to take place Saturday, December 9th from noon to 5 at Epperson Auditorium on the Kansas City Art Institute campus. That's at 44. 15 Warwick Boulevard. You know, and if we could just go around the room and tell us a, a bit about your your work, about your art. Um, do you have a focus? Do you have oh, something coming up beyond this uh, exhibition? And of course, if you're seniors, what, where do you go from here? So lots of questions. Yeah, um, I'll go first. I'm uh, Hannah, and um, I'm an illustration student for KCAI. Um, a lot of my work focus is on reclaiming girlhood and femininity, especially with uh, through a teen focus, because um, I always felt like as a teen, I felt like I had to re- re- uh, reject anything feminine, girly, pink, and so I'm trying to reclaim that in some of my art. And past um, graduation, I definitely want to go into agency work. I am very big into problem solving. I like, instead of creating problems, I like to solve them um, for other people. So that's hopefully what I would like to do after I graduate. Now, problem solving in in art, in design, what? Um, whenever, if like a, getting like client work and they have a problem and they come to me and they're like, I don't know what I need for this kind of poster. I want to be able to help them and talk them through it and design something that will pique the eyes of Um, outside viewers. And the reason why I went back to that is because people often um, just overlook the fact that art has that capability to problem solve. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it it just depends on the individual what their thoughts about art are, but um, oftentimes it's it's overlooked and I just wanted you to reiterate that. And with Shinarina? Oh yeah, um, for me, I'm a cut paper artist, like I mentioned before, but a lot of my artwork features my experience as an Asian American in America, as well as my two cultures I come from. I'm Cambodian Vietnamese, and since I'm Southeast Asian, there's not a lot of representative uh, like yeah. media about like people like me, so I wanted to bring that out and show people like my story, and I'm important too. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And you know, and, and for both of you, do you have websites or social media that we can find your work on and and that's okay if you don't want to share but I just thought I would ask yeah um oh sorry (laughs) um yeah you can find me on Instagram at hand banana art um on Instagram and that'll redirect to my website and Mm -hmm. other socials I have as well and then for me I'm also on Instagram it's just my name just chanarina underscore thatch Chenarina, and and with that, you know, you you bring up an important uh, point that the representation of, uh, you know, of women and and mostly uh, people of color, people uh, Latinos, uh, mm-hmm. all of that, less representation. And how do you how do you see yourself really kind of examining that and and bring it bring it to the forefront. What what would you like to do with with that? 
I think sort of it's just growing up, um, a lot of people just refused to listen to me and I always kept quiet about all my experience. But mm. now that I'm grown up and I have my own voice, yeah. I just talk about it. I just like, no, you are going to hear me. You are going to listen to me. My story is important. And you're going to know all the things that happened to me and how we can do better. <laughs> and you can do that through your art. Yes. Yeah. Is there, I guess... <laughs> I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is there a book forthcoming? Because it sounds like this is a, a wonderful opportunity to to share your story, and maybe maybe it's not a book per se, but maybe it's it's a narrative, whether it's a painting or performance or in your paperwork. Ooh, I guess I do kind of have like a mini series I have right okay. now um, where I talk about my relationship with my culture, mm. uh, very much like a physical relationship. So a lot of my artwork, I kind of like physically embody my um, culture and I have, I like to talk about it essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like we are in a real relationship. Like I, you were my first love and you were, we went through a lot of heartbreak and um, it's a very unrequited relationship we have. Collecting stories is, is really lovely, and, and I know that I've had the opportunity to, to share mine with StoryCorps, but mm -hmm. um, I, I love where you're headed with that. Thank you. Very good. And last but not least. Yeah, I'm, I'm Catherine. Catherine. I'm a printmaker and illustrator, um, mainly a printmaker recently. I do a lot of prints, of like screen prints, lino cut prints, relief carving. Um, recently getting into risograph printing, too. I do a lot of animals in nature stuff of just just having fun making art again after yeah. a lot of years of creating a lot of stuff I finally found like what I want to do and what I really enjoy like enjoy doing so it's more so I just having fun with art and showing that I do have fun in art and just making art for fun just a lot of fun <laughs> you know I think that's something that that uh, I've had conversations with with people that I mean, there. Yes, of course, there there can be a a meaningful uh, a desire to to create art to make a point. However, I think sometimes we we shouldn't forget or overlook the fact that you know we could just make art for fun. Mm -hmm. We can have a good time and, and really kind of enjoy this moment and this creativity. I, I love that. I love that. Any social medias that you want to share with us? Um, you can find me on Instagram, um, quack, like a duck noise, like quack, dot <laughs> thrin, which is like the last half of my name. So T-H-E-R-I-N-E. -E. Um, it would also link to my website and all, you can see all of my fun little art there. Um, yeah, just like creating, especially a lot of small yeah. prints and stuff um, yeah. that people can just look in and go, oh my God, I love this animal. Um, yeah. And just, you know, just. Also feel joy of looking Nothing at my art and stuff. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. And David, any last words before we close up this segment? Well, I just want to thank you for having us again. Sure. Thanks to John Ferry for setting John us up. Ferry. John Ferry. <laughs> and I want to also thank my uh, my colleagues, um, Rahele Jean Porbel and Ilsung Na, who I co-teach this class with. Uh, just oh, the good. support that we've been able to give to our students and then see what they can do with it. And also say, if you want to check out uh, all their work, uh, juniors and seniors are online. It's kcai-illustration.com, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. i got to get my glasses on, folks. <laughs> and uh, yes, and then there's a tab there for Harvest 2023. And is our beloved Hector Castanova there. Beloved Hector is there as well. Mara Cluthe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like a Steve who's who. Mays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I attended uh, classes there. And, uh, you know, I love Hector because he always reminded me of, oh, who is it? Um, oh, gosh. The guy that made uh, Edward Civil. 
Scissorhands. Oh, uh, Tim Burton. Uh, Tim Burton. He was always this sort of Tim Burton character to me. Thank you so much for joining us today. I love that you're here. Come back anytime. Uh, we we love the Kansas City Art Institute. I cannot say no to to them. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Hey, thank you we, so much for having us. You bet. You bet. Come back and see us. I'll see you on Saturday. You know, um, I want to also say thank you to Miller Bogart and uh, Dan White, Brent Schondelmeyer, Catherine Rubick, Hannah Grable, Shinarina, Shinarina uh, Thatch, David Terrell. Thank you so much for joining us next week, December 13th. We have John Brick, Kim Lindenberry, and Finola Kalamoya. Uh, and I wanted to say thank you for listening today and stay tuned for Jeff Harshbarger, one to three jazz afternoon. So uh, coming up next, um, and I guess I shall see you next week, December 13th. And honey, I'm coming home. Thanks for listening.
You are listening to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This is Jazz in the Afternoon with your host, the Jazz Jester. Hello. Hope everyone is doing well out today. I thought we would start with